3: G'day, welcome to Movember Radio. I'm Osha Ginsberg. Thank you for being here. This is a weekly podcast focusing on men's health and the issues that men face today. Each week, we speak with someone from the Movember community who's passionate about changing the face of men's health. There's more than 5 million people in that community worldwide. It's pretty good. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in iTunes, find us on SoundCloud or the podcast app of your choice. Now, this week, we're putting out this podcast to raise awareness about suicide and mark World Suicide Prevention Day, which is happening on Thursday, the 10th of September. In Australia, this day is known as OK Day, with the letters RUOK. Yeah. See what we did there? The day is about speaking up to reduce the stigma around talking about suicide prevention safely. It's about standing up to make a positive impact on our mental health and well-being. It's about being self-informed and aware of support and services available to all those touched by suicide and those building a resilient community to prevent suicide. So, my guest today is Richard Brown from New Zealand. He's from Timaru, which is on the South Island. Richard got involved in November after he lost his twin brother, Clint, to suicide at the age of 27 in 2008. Richard's brother, Clint, had problems with depression and was also going through marriage problems as well. Following his brother's suicide, Richard had his own issues, dealing with grief, until one day he was dragged to a doctor by his sister when she noticed that he was struggling and needed help. That was a huge step for richard to face his fears and that's also where movember came in richard's a five-year mo bro and you'll hear about how he and his sister who own a bar together have come up with novel and engaging ways to raise money and awareness for the movember community i hope you enjoy this conversation with richard brown
4: where do we find you today richard i'm in sunny timaru it's famously raining, but it's fine. <laughs> so what part of New Zealand is that in? That is in South Canterbury, so two hours below Christchurch. So middle of the South Island.
3: Middle of the South Island. So for folks not from that part of the world, it's uh, very,
4: very green? Very green, kind of cold, yeah. What happens in Timaru? Lots happens in Timaru. Timaru is small, though. Timaru is about 30,000 people, twenty-five, thirty thousand 30,000 people. It's a small lifestyle sort of farming community. I've been here eight years. It's been all fun and games.
3: Awesome. Well, I'm really grateful we could talk today, but we do have to talk about something that's not quite so cheery. You became involved in Movember after the loss of your brother. If it's okay with you, would you mind taking us through what happened?
4: Of course I can. So my he was my twin brother and um, we... Um, we're quite similar. He was a tough, gruff, tradie bloke. And he always had problems with depression and sort of that kind of path. And in 2008, I just moved to Timaru. I was an Invercargill boy and lived down there. He was having marriage problems. Moved up to Timaru. Um, a month after I moved here, he was away on a, away with his wife who was having problems with, but trying to sort it out kind of thing. And things didn't go so well. And yeah, he did the deed in Christchurch one night and um it's interesting looking on that time of his life and looking back on it and after a bit of research later to realize that you know he he really needed help but he wasn't a guy that was ever going to ask for it. And he had all the support in the world but he didn't know that. There was sort of months and years of stuff that went on but basically he um yeah, he thought he had nowhere to go. He had thought he was the bottom of the barrel and no one really thought anything of him. But in the long scum, he, um, yeah, he was 27. He left behind a house, a wife, dogs, family, as all people that commit suicide do. And I guess they all see it as the easy out, but coming from someone who's gone through it, it's pretty hard from this end.
3: I can't imagine uh, what that's like. I have. As many people have had yeah. been uh, affected by suicide in my life, but to have someone in your family, let alone your twin, it must have yeah. been uh, must have been very tough for you.
4: Yeah, and it's funny because every year in my high school there was one suicide, and we never spoke about it. Never, it was never something it would come up in conversation. there would be a and that's it. So it's always been there, and it wasn't until you're involved with it you realize how much there is. Yeah, I. It was funny. Yeah, being my twin brother, it was. We spent our entire lives trying to compete against each other until I went away, moved to live to Aussie, came back a bit. We ended up being best friends. Yeah, him and I are very similar in the fact. that like every Kiwi bloke, they're not very good at talking about their feelings, and they'll shut off the world, predominantly. But yeah, since going through that path, you realise how much suicide there is and how much depression there is. It's pretty major.
3: You mentioned that he had all the help in the world. Watching him go down this difficult path with his wife and seeing that things were piling up on him, was it frustrating not being able to help him?
4: Yeah, it was hard. Before I moved, it was a month before I moved up to Timaru. I spent a month living in his house because his wife had moved out. They had problems, so I moved in because I knew that he was capable of doing this, so to speak, and then I moved up and I thought he was fine. They were on the men. Things were getting better. He was the guy that anyone would call. He would come and fix their roof, fix this, come have a chat, have a beer, whatever it took, he was that guy. But he would never ask for help in return, which is probably the hardest bit because there was a note that he left um, that sort of made you realize that he, he hadn't preempt it, but he had thought about it, and he thought he was no one would turn up to the funeral nothing would happen. And um, we had the biggest sports venue in Imbakago and so had people at the door. So when you're in that, that depression, you have those ups and downs. When you're down, you're pretty down. So,
3: yeah, it's it's very hard to see the sunshine even on a sunny day when you're exactly when you're in that, and you can hide it very, very well from the outside. It all looks fine for you, however. What were the initial weeks and months following the loss of your brother like?
4: Uh, it was pretty messy. We'd like we'd just opened a business, we'd just opened a bar in Timaru, and we um, I drove to Christchurch that night, drove straight to Invercargill the next day. Didn't eat, didn't sleep, you know, as you do. But as that week, you've got to get through it. So for that week, I was there for my family. I was arranging funerals, doing this. You're busy. Things were happening. I came home the day after the funeral because I had to come back and open the bar. And Timaru was good because no one knew what had happened and no one knew me. So it was probably a savior in a way that I could come back and hide it a little which is probably the bad thing to do. And it really wasn't till the f- first anniversary that I went back to Invercargill in the the memory of him and realized I haven't dealt with this at all. And then that's when it's real, like when you come back and you go past his house, you go past his, he's not there. And then that was kind of really, really, really kicked in. You can say it's fine and like that week of the funeral, you just get through. But it's when all the support goes away and all the family aren't there that things go, oh, things are pretty serious. and Yeah. So it was an interesting road.
3: You mentioned um, when things really kicked in. What, what kind of things are you talking about?
4: Um, you realize that you haven't dealt with the death at all. So you had just put it in a corner and hid it. And I did exactly what he would do. He'd just hide it. So what really happened is after that, I my work was struggling, my family was struggling, and my sister, who I live with in Timaru, who we own a business, She sort of came up to me one day and said, You're not struggling. You're, you know, you're not good. So she took me to a doctor. She didn't, she took me and made sure that she took me in with her because she knew I wouldn't say the truth. And then that was a sort of a massive step because that was a lot of consequences and that was a lot of facing your fears going, I'm not fine, but I don't want to tell anyone I'm not fine. Um, And that was the sort of start of my journey of dealing with a lot of that. But that was kind of where Movember comes in as well. So I ended up being medicated and it wasn't so much the medication. It was more knowing that I have to do something about it. It's not going away by itself. So
3: You mentioned not wanting to tell anyone about it. What was the difference between what you thought would happen when you told someone about it and what actually happened?
4: Well, you always have the impression that someone is just going to not want to talk about it because it is a taboo topic in most people's world, and people don't know how to react to me when I talk about it sometimes. Everyone just wanted to listen and wanted to talk, so like – I'm a, at that time, I was a bartender, so everyone would come to me and talk, and I'd take on their problems, and I'd never want to give them mine. But when I released it and talked about it, it actually made a massive difference and took the weight off my mind. And it sort of goes back to the old boys that would go to the pub, let off their feelings, and it's all gone and dusted, where typical Kiwi blokes now hide it and keep it in their back drawer and don't talk about it.
3: Yeah, well yeah, that, that drawer eventually overflows. We all know that.
4: Yeah, it can't stay like that forever.
3: <laughs> Good for your sister though that uh, that she kind of dragged you over to the doctor.
4: Yeah, well, she she had like she had equally as bad. She had dealt with it and struggled with it. But she, being a strong woman, just goes to the doctor and said, "I'm struggling," and the doctor fixed it. Where I was like, I don't want to say I'm broken, and typical male fashion. Yeah, she supported me through it. She, you know, she was partner in business, so we worked a lot together. And if it wasn't for her, I probably would have struggled until it got to that breaking point, which is the problem.
3: What's something at the, at the time that, because as you said, a lot of people don't quite know what to do because it is such a taboo yeah. subject. And because it does affect so many people in our community, unfortunately, what are some things that you wish your mates could have done around that time, but they just didn't know to do?
4: Well, I kind of had a mixed mates because my mates in Immacago were the same, but because they weren't there, it was kind of different. I just wish they came and knocked on my door, really. That's all it would have taken. And I guess now we have a different relationship because I've opened up about it. So now if someone's having an issue, you walk in the front door and bang on the door and say, are you all right? It's not like, I'll go see him tomorrow or I'll give him a text. It's just knock on the door and say, are you okay? And I guess that's the big thing in our relationship with a lot of my friends now. When you're sitting around having a beer and someone goes, are you okay? They're not meeting it. Are you okay? Of course I am. It's fine. They're actually like, no, 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 are you okay? And they care. And you realize there's, you know, people actually want to know how you are and you always just fob it off and go, no, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But at some point, you've got to be honest to yourself.
3: It's a long way from the way that they were dealing with it when you were in high school.
4: Oh, it was just swept under a carpet and, yeah. And it's still, you know, still a taboo topic. And I sort of by part of my Movember journey is coming out with it to the public and some people want to talk about it, some people don't. I probably get a couple of people a month that will actually come to me and say, I want to talk to you about this because they know that I've been through it. Um, I had one yesterday that did that. It was just, you know, they've just had Been through it, and they go, "What do you do? How do I deal with it?" And you know, the best thing you can do is talk about it.
3: So, how did you first become aware of Movember, and and how did that come into your life?
4: Well, I sort of, well, actually, my brother did Movember. I knew that because he had some dirty stash. Um, But I, I was running a bar, and um, it all happened in August. And that year, it was gone. The next year, I mental health came on board. And I was sort of doing a bit of stuff, so i like, i really got to do this. So that first year, having a bar to be able to do stuff with public and do stuff, and it was no effort, it was just get your stuff, grow a more, raise some money, have some fun. First year, we raised $1,000. We never really talked about why we did it. So I think it was the second year or the third year that I had an article. Well, I kind of went to Movember and said, you know, this is my story, I want to tell it. And... Um, Media got on board and local media got on board and I kind of put it out there a bit more, made some videos and did some stuff to say, this is why I do it. And in a small community, that was quite big, um, but that got picked up by the wider community. So, yeah, I started telling his story and my sort of theory behind it is, you know, he would have wanted me to tell it if we can prevent other Kiwi families doing what my family have been through.
3: But you've created quite quite the Movember community there in
4: Timaru, haven't you? Yeah, we don't do by halves things by halves around here. So we started off with a group of staff in a bar and did that. And um there was like another mate who did a few different things for Movember, so we started talking and then we started as a group and then as a group one day we were like, Man, we raised five grand this year. What if what would what if we do a network and do a group? And I think the next year we started Moru, which was like just a group of mates that had some fun and and all was passionate about Movember. I think that first year we raised 30K, and that was completely not what we expected. We expected, you know, our goal was 10, and we thought that was pushing our limits. But we also fundraise in different ways. We don't ask people for money. We run events. We do different things. So we get involved in the community. Um, Sort of as the bar, we used to put the bar on the bay and all the profits go to Movember or run a ball or all sorts of things, anything we could just to get people together. And the goal was to get people together. So there was no point in us doing it all by ourselves individually when we could do it as a big group.
3: And why is it important for you to get people together?
4: Um, so they talk. <laughs> all the things I didn't do because I realized how bad it was for me. And sort of there's a few things in my life that I force myself to do, like sports teams and stuff like that, that I'm like, I need to have people around me because if I sit and I'll dwell on things. So if you get like-minded people together, it's just having a conversation and having a chat. So.
3: What do you think is the best way for someone to to start that conversation? Yeah, you know, maybe it's with someone that they maybe work with and and kind of know, like that bloke from sales you've said hello to mm-hmm. in the kitchen once or twice, and you notice that he's just not having a good day. What's what's a good yeah. way to start that conversation?
4: Well, yeah, it's a tricky one. Like a lot of the time, the conversations I always have are in a bar. <laughs> so, but it's how you are uh, Pre-lubricated. <laughs> yeah, but it's just being honest. And if you sit down and if a mate comes up to me and says, you know. I'm not feeling very well, this is what's going on, you take them seriously. It's not something, if you, if you can actually come out with it, there's not going to be that odd oh, to get away from me. It's not that scary. And a lot of the times, it's just, it is just a conversation, it's nothing more, and it's quite often, like, for my mates, it'll be like, you're having problems, let's go for a walk, let's take the dog and go around the block, and just get them out, get them motivated, get them doing something. Can. Um, and there's a big group of us that, like, we do a few things in Timaru with bike polo and different things and hockey, my hockey team, they're all I do them because it gets me out of in a different group, and that between that group, there's different people. So I try, like, even just getting people to the bar, and I would mix them with different interaction people, and go meet this person, do that person, do that. So, but it's about getting out and not dwelling in your bedroom where no one can see you.
3: And that's the trick, isn't it? Because you initially think that if I just hide in my bedroom, everything's going to be okay,
4: and it gets worse, much, much worse.
3: worse. That's the fallacy, isn't it?
4: That really, yeah. really, really is. And and that hardest step is to ask for help. Yeah,
3: but and it's you, yeah. it's way easier. Whatever you're afraid of that might happen after you ask for help is anywhere near what actually happens.
4: No, exactly. It's nothing. They might laugh at you, and but then, or they might just take you seriously and go, "Okay, we should need to talk about this." Yeah. Well, if they laugh at you,
3: maybe you're not the kind of person who would ask for help anyway.
4: No, that's fine. <laughs> Now, mate, this this
3: is the sort of thing that has, has a long tail. It's something that can affect you for, for quite a long time. When you're having tough days now, how do you deal with it?
4: I know for, my, for me, myself, I need to exercise, so I need to get out and do something. So whether that's taking the dog for a walk, whether that's going for a bike ride on the bike, you know, so I do that kind of stuff, but I also involve other people. So I'll go and sit on someone's couch and go, I'm not having a good day, and just and if you can get it off your chest, it's much better than sitting down and never talking about it because if I'm that sort of guy that I'll sit down and I'll dwell on it and I'll think, overthink it. And that's what a lot of people do, and that's where you get to that point. So I will go and talk to someone. A lot of the time I just talk to my dog. He listens real well, especially with some bacon. But that kind of thing, like it's funny because even the little thing taking the dog for a walk. You're getting exercise and you're out and about doing something and then, like, just little stuff like that. And part of my network now is my bike polo guys. So we play bike polo and muck And Is
3: that the one where you're on the fixies?
4: Yep. Oh, so, gracious. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we have quite a good community in Timaru with it. And um, a lot of polo is about being with your mates. It's not about the actual polo. And it's kind of when I grew up surfing, it was surfing was about being with your mates. It wasn't about much else.
3: Yeah. You mentioned talking to the dog... Some people might think that's a bit strange.
4: Oh, that's normal. <laughs> it's the same as the cat, or well, a bit strange with the goldfish, but it's, um, the dog needs love.
3: Is it anything that gets the release? Is it anything that allows yeah. you to verbalise your feelings that
4: helps? Anything at all. Um, I quite often used to take my supboard out to the middle of Caroline Bay and just sit and watch the world, and that was me relaxing and getting away from people. But that was just. No one can call you on the phone. No one can message you. No one can do anything. So, But um, a lot of it is just getting it off your chest. If you don't open your mouth, sometimes when you say it out loud, you go, okay, that doesn't sound as silly as it thinks. Do
3: you write at all?
4: No, I'm not a writer. Yeah. So to me, I will go draw a picture before I write. So <laughs> I'll take a bit of canvas and start doodling, and that doodling will be how I feel, but it doesn't mean anything to anyone. So,
3: You mentioned exercise. If you don't keep up, your exercise routine, do you, do you notice it in your mood?
4: I, yeah, I definitely do. Um, and it's not so much the exercise is just doing something active. I don't see it as exercise, like it's just being out doing something. Um, I do have a gym pass. I'm not sure the last time I went, but um, <laughs> as we all do. But it's just doing something. If I sit and do nothing and don't do any exercise, I go like my dog when I get home at 5 o'clock. who's running around jumping and going nuts at me. He wants to leave the house, and I'm kind of the same. We tend to forget
3: that, don't we, as people? Yep. We tend to forget that we're not designed to sit in one spot all day.
4: No. Yeah, it's that thing that if you sit and do nothing all day, yeah, just your body just doesn't like it. <laughs> and it's funny. My dog's a great example. He drinks more water than any dog you've ever met, and he needs exercise or he will tell you all about it. And you go, well, there's the two things he needs in life is exercise and water, and he's happy.
3: If only we could be a bit more like that. It's been really great to talk to you, and I'm really grateful that you could open up and share this conversation with us. It's a tricky one to have with someone. um, We don't know each other. We've been speaking for 22 minutes. This is all we've had. And you know, still, this is my job to talk to people who've been through this, and it's still weird for me.
4: Yeah, and I can imagine that. And it's funny because I've got a few friends in tomorrow that feel like they know my brother, And they've never met him and they sort of talk about the way that I keep his life, his memory alive as a tribute to that they think they know who he is. And it's kind of like I'm proud of him and I wish he didn't do what he did, but he's always on my mind and always, and little things you, you know, there's always memories and always things that you do and my memory to me is to celebrate his life in a way.
3: So when those memories do come up, it's not a, a haunting feeling, it's a positive feeling?
4: yeah it's got good and bad points but his anniversary every year is i'm not there to dwell i'm there to celebrate and it's easier to dwell on it but i've learned that that doesn't help anything i'd rather go out and celebrate so stuff like we started i made a trophy and we had a go-kart race so we get all of the goats together and go out to the go-kart track and have a race it's like let's celebrate him because he's not here anymore but he's always going to be there so let's celebrate him rather than just sitting around and feeling sorry for ourselves.
3: Isn't that great? All you have to do is make a trophy and guys are like, oh, I want that.
4: <laughs> exactly. It's a challenge now. <laughs> I, keep getting, I keep getting kicked out for disqualification, so I don't know why. It's... Perhaps something
3: to do with your, your, maybe you're taking the bike polo style onto the racetrack.
4: Race yeah, a little bit of cheeking every now and then never hurt. It's fine.
3: Well, Richard, it's been great yeah. to speak with you. We always end these conversations with the same three questions. When it comes to Movember, what kind of moustache do you grow?
4: It comes down to the first week. I'm not the hairiest man in the world, so you let the let it grow for a week and then sculpt what you can. So it depends where I'm going. If I've traveled, go something that's obviously November. One year I did a slug and went to the Sydney airport and got searched both ways, where every other year time I go straight through. So, um, But no, I will grow whatever I can. Generally, a, something a bit used car salesman, make people know it's all kinds of class.
3: Right on. So you'd have you'd be having conversations five times a day then.
4: Oh, it's, yeah, it's all about it, and 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 people and I do it so people talk about it, so I make it hideous.
3: Oh, that's the idea. <laughs> I love it. What's the quality that you appreciate most in your mates?
4: I appreciate that they care. I guess going into your thirties and you sort of go from being blokes and hanging out to. Oh, they actually, you know, these guys won't be here forever. Let's, you know, actually have a conversation and if you if you if I go to any of them and ask for help, they're there. No questions asked. They they don't care what it is, they'll be there. Just don't ask for money. <laughs> and the
3: final question, if you could pick up the phone and call eighteen year old Richard, what would you tell him?
4: You're not bulletproof, look after yourself. Like when you when you're eighteen you think you can do anything and anything's possible and you know, your body doesn't like you so much when you're older and I think the biggest thing is just, you know, look after your mental health. It's fun to look after your physical health, but look after your mental health.
3: It's been great to speak with you today. Enjoy the late night dog walk, mate. Uh, Thank you very much. That was Richard Brown. I'm grateful i could share that conversation with you but it should never replace a conversation with your own doctor you can find us on facebook by searching for movember and for other episodes check out movemberradio.com or find us in soundcloud itunes or the podcast app of your choice this episode of movember radio was produced by myself osha ginsberg with molly hindman and lavania Nagendran. music was by toe hider audio production on this episode by daryl misson have a great week thank you so much for listening